Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Yarn Thing Podcast. I'm your host, Marley Bird. You can catch the Yarn Thing Podcast live every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 10 o'clock Mountain Time. That's 12 o'clock on the East Coast, 9 o'clock on the West Coast, and 11 o'clock in the Midwest. If you are anywhere else in the world and would like to join us live for the bot, the, prod, <laughs> the podcast, please Google what time uh, Denver time is for you. I do live in Denver, Colorado, and uh, you can come and join the fun. There is a Facebook Live post that happens during the broadcast, so it's a Facebook Live. You can watch the behind-the-scenes of me interviewing each guest on each episode. Let's say thank you to our sponsors, Buffalo Wool Company, Creative Bug, Erin Lane Bags, Crafty.com, Stitches.Events, and Red Heart Yarns around the proud national spokesperson. You can find out more about our sponsors by visiting MarleyBird.com and clicking on the sponsor menu, and you'll find a direct link to each one of them right there. Go by, say hello, and tell them thank you for supporting your favorite podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursday, or like my friends like to call Friday Junior, <laughs> because they're just like, I can't, can't wait for Friday, right? Living for the weekend. Um, I'm excited to have today's guest on the show because she is fantastic, and it's, it's going to be interesting because many of you who have been following along with the podcast and have heard her name mentioned several times with several different people, and you're just like, who is this Trisha Malcolm lady? Well, you get to... Here from the one, the only, the legend, <laughs> Trisha Malcolm today, and we're going to talk about uh, Vogue Knitting Seattle, and we're going to talk about Vogue Knitting's 35th anniversary, and so I am thrilled to talk to Trisha today, so let's give her a warm welcome. Hi, Trish. How are you? Good, Molly. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Do you have any idea how influential you are on in so many people's careers in this industry? Um, no. (laughs) It's true. I'm telling you, every time somebody comes on the show, it's like, well, I was doing this, but then I talked to Trisha Malcolm, and then I was like, okay, and then all of a sudden, there went my career. Like, it was Fiona, it was one of them. Um, I can't, all of a sudden, off the top of my head, I can't think of some other people, but it's it's always, well, then I talked to Trisha Malcolm, and it's it's just fantastic to always hear the name come up. You know, that's the, that's the, the sign of of a good person to, to be around. You know, you're a real, um, uplifting person uh, for people's careers and, and everything. It's just, it's fantastic. Oh, that's very nice of you to say that. <laughs> it's true. I do remember the Fiona thing, yes. We yeah, yeah. go back a long way. Yep. It's pretty we cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, Tricia, um, yeah. I know you've been on the show several times before, but let's give people a brief history of how you got into the knitting industry, specifically an, an editor, editor of Vogue Knitting. Well, I was actually a high school teacher and I um, was traveling and I came like Australians, I'm from Australia and Australians like to travel. So I came to the United States and then um, weirdly I was able to work here, which is not an easy thing to do. And then I got a job working on a craft magazine and then eventually um, there was a job going at Vogue Knitting and I worked here for a year and then I left and went to do something else, and then eventually I came back, and then one day my boss came in and said, I think it's time for you to be the editor of the magazine, and I'm like, no, no, I'm too young. <laughs> I don't know what to do, you know. So anyway, I ended up doing it because he like insisted and pushed me to do it, and so I've been here for quite a few years now, and I'm like really the luckiest knitter on the planet, really. <laughs> So when you were a school teacher, did you knit then also? Like you were a knitter oh, yeah. at that 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, my mum taught me when I was four. Oh, wow. Well, that's so awesome. I'm a long-time knitter. Yeah, yeah. long-time. How about a crocheter? I'm going to ask that. Yeah, I learned to crochet when I was about seven. I learned that from my grandmother. She's oh. more a crocheter than my mum, or was. And, um, yeah, I, I found it easier to knit than crochet, which I know is against what everyone else kind of says. But I used to have trouble hooking that yarn. You know, uh-huh. I tried several times before I actually got it together. I understand. But I didn't. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I totally get it. There's a lot of people like that. Um, like I'll teach beginner beginner crocheters who are knitters, and they just they really struggle with it. So I think you know it's just right. all over the board. I think of what what you find easy. Um, right. I, I don't know. Uh, so the Vogue knitting events, they it the Vogue knitting live. Um, it's fantastic. Uh-huh. That they they are going so strong. I was at the first Vogue Knitting in New York, and then I was um, at several of them after that, and then I haven't been able to attend um, since I left Bijou Basin. And, I mean, they're just they're doing fantastic, and you do them more than just in New York. I know that you have one, you know, you just did one in Las Vegas and, and all these other places. Can we start off by saying where the idea for, for Vogue Knitting Live came to be? Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, it's a really good question. I was having a discussion with my boss one day, and we were talking about um, a show I'd been to in England. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, we really should be doing this ourselves, you know, and it's a great way to actually bring the magazine to people and bring it alive. And that's why we started calling it Vogue Knitting Live, because it's the magazine kind of come to life, you know. So it took about three years, actually, after that to actually make it happen which is crazy, but it did. And so then we did our first show in New York, which I remember seeing you at. And, um, yeah, then we sort of expanded, and we've been moving around um, different places around the country, but we will always have a New York show. And I think, um, you know, we've been to some incredible places and had some great shows, and we've had two shows before in the Seattle area at the Maidenbauer Convention Center in Bellevue. And we're coming back again because we haven't been for a couple of years. So that's super exciting. Very cool. I I haven't been to the Seattle show, which is shocking to me because I absolutely love Seattle. John and I have talked about when the kids go to college, we're just going to pick up and move to Seattle because we we love the Bellevue area, actually. That's the part that we love the most because it's so nice. It's so perfect. Um, Oh, it's lovely. Really beautiful area. It really is. So I'm going to ask, how do the shows differ the, like, from one to another? Obviously, location is going to be different, but um, are they all relatively the same show, just in a different location, or do you specifically make the show unique for each location? We definitely try to do that. Um, um, I'm just trying to think how to explain that. Like, the New York show is very New York-centric, you know, so the other shows, they look a little different because the venue is different. Um and we try to do things that are sort of a little more local or at least, you know, appeal what we think would appeal more to the people in that area, you know. But uh-huh. um, I guess the main thing that changes is the things that sort of happen around the show. Like we always have booths, um, which are great, this is amazing shopping, and then we always have like really cool classes. Um, so those things remain the same, but it's it's what – it's the flavor of the show that's a little bit different. So it's which artists we bring in. Um, it's like what events we might hold. 
you know, um, like for instance in Vegas, we did a lot more things where you could win stuff because it's Vegas, you know. <laughs> and then, um, you know, in Seattle, we try to sort of consider more the Pacific Northwest and the local companies that are there and work with them to create something that's sort of unique, you know. Uh-huh. So that's yeah. the main difference, I would say. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, when you talk about the different uh, teachers and stuff that come to the shows, you guys get some of the best talent in the industry. Um, it's always great to to hear my friends are all going to the, the Vogue Knitting events, Vogue Knitting Live. And I know that you also bring in usually some local talent, especially when you're in New York, you bring in some of the local local teachers um, that some of us might not have heard before. How, uh, I'm just curious on my own, for my own self and for others, you know, how, what is the process of you selecting what teachers you choose to come uh, and be a part of it all? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We are continually looking for new teachers, so we reach out to, to new people every show. Um, we need to mix it up. You always have to mix it up, you know. Um, yet we also have these tried and true teachers that just really sell, like, unbelievably well. Right. And so we bring them back because if someone's selling really well, it means people really want to see them. Right. Um, and the another thing that we do is we um, encourage our teachers to have classes that they only teach in that year at our shows. Right. So we have exclusive classes that they can't get anywhere else that year, you know. That's and brilliant. I think that makes us really special. And we also try to bring in, you know, for every show we try to bring in someone from another country because I think that adds to the the texture of the whole show, you know, to have, you know, someone who comes from somewhere else who's got a whole different view and a different background with knitting, you know. So that makes yeah. it really interesting too. Yeah, totally. I think you had Hohi recently, didn't you? We did, yeah. She was amazing. It was so yeah. cool to meet her. Yeah, I've had her on the podcast before, and she was so cute. She was like, I'm nervous about my English. I'm like, you're going to do great, I promise. But she's yeah, she out. did great, yeah. 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 Awesome. So here we yeah. are. You're going to Seattle. Um, when are you going to be in Seattle? Uh, the first weekend in November. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so the show will be um, basically Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And um, we've, we're sort of working on different things, but we're kind of, you know, there's going to be some fun stuff. I know we're definitely having a yarn toss, which is everyone's favorite thing at the show. A it's so funny toss. that we – a yarn toss. We started doing um, the yarn tosses at the very first um, Seattle show, and we, what we did is we hung yarn from like a, you know, like a – what do you call that? A platform that's up on the top, you know? Okay. And then at the end of the show, people stood down the bottom, and we cut the strings, and the yarn just fell down. Everyone's like – you know, fighting each other over these skeins of yarn. That's awesome. That's awesome. So now we've implemented these yarn tosses everywhere, and we either do it to open or close the show, and it's amazing. People just, like, hang out and wait for us to throw yarn at them. Oh it's my awesome. Gosh. That is hilarious. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Um, when, when do sign-ups open up for Seattle? Sign-ups um, are going to open up probably in about a month. Okay. So it's really important, us- you know, Sorry? I was going to say, can you give us a clue of who's teaching there? You know something? I don't know because (laughs) I have a team who take care of um, um, working with the teachers, so I don't really know. (laughs) But we've got some great teachers, though. (laughs) I'm sorry? I said they'll just have to tune in. I'm sure you have great teachers. 
yeah, we do have great teachers. Um, I know my team is really excited about this lineup. They feel it's really, um, it's a great group, you know. So um, that will open up in about a month. But really, people really should get in there and sign up as quickly as possible because, you know, a lot of these classes sell out super fast. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, if you really want the teacher that you want and the class that you want, you really have to get in there like quickly. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. So on top of being, you know, sort of the main the main lady behind the the Vogue Knitting Live, you are also what's your official title? Is it editor of Vogue Knitting? It's editorial director is my official title. But it All basically right. is editor in chief of the magazine. All right. So that's a huge that's a huge undertaking because Vogue Knitting, I mean it's it's really one of the top it is the top magazine in the knitting industry. It's the one that it's very fashionable. It's very New York. It's very like the the bar is set. Your your magazine is on the bucket list of many designers to be in. And here you go. You're celebrating the 35th anniversary. And how does it feel to be an, or, or you know to be still be a part of this wonderful magazine after so many years? It's really cool. Like like I said before, I'm like the luckiest knitter on the planet. Um, <laughs> Really, I mean, the thing about Vogue Knitting that's sort of, I guess, really unique is that the magazine was started in 1932. So as well as being our 35th anniversary, it's actually also our 85th. So the magazine started in 32, was closed down in 1969, and then relaunched in 1982. So that's where our 35 years comes from. Wow. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing history. You know, it's so unique. I mean, there's very few yarn companies that are even as old as that, you know. Oh, so yeah. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a wonderful heritage to have. And I really feel like um, it, it has a life of its own. And I'm just here right now as the caretaker, you know. And as time goes by, you know, there'll be other caretakers. But I think it will, it will last and last, you know. I don't think it's ever going to – well, it will eventually one day die, I guess. But I can't see that anywhere in the near future at all. You know, but I'm really honoured to feel like someone somehow has put me in this role to basically take care of the magazine at this point. You know, it. it's kind of cool. I love it. Now, what have yeah. you seen in the time frame that you've been there as far as changes in knitting in general and then the knitting industry or the yarn industry as a whole? Well, that's a great question because I feel like I've seen it all. Uh, because knitting was going along just nicely, you know. Um, And then all of a sudden, the internet hit the world, basically. And that is what changed knitting the most, I think. Um, You know, finally knitters all over the globe could actually meet up and talk to each other. and, And knitters were one of the earliest adopters of the internet, you know, with blogs and groups, um, there were list groups that were around a long time ago. Um, you know, all this was even pre-Ravelry. And then Ravelry yeah. changed changed everything too, you know, yet again. Um, and so I think it's it's like an amazing time for knitting. You know, we know so much more than we did 20 years ago. We have access to each other in a way we didn't have before. You know, there's new influences that there weren't before. You know, there's people who have done amazing things in knitting and, and everything's changed, you know, like even the kinds of needles we knit with, 
You know, we didn't have square needles or we didn't have that many circular needles 20 years ago. Now it's like they're everywhere. There were no needle sets 20 years ago, you know? Really? I haven't been knitting that long. Well, no, I mean, um, sorry, not sets. Like sets of, you know, circulars with interchangeables and all that sort of stuff, you know? That just wasn't around, you know? So So we've seen a whole revolution in tools. We've seen a revolution in yarn. You know, no one was sort of, no one much was hand dyeing yarn 20 years ago. You know, that was that was a very, very small thing. And now hand dyeing is such an amazing phenomena, you know. Right. And also the size of yarn, you know, the super chunky yarn you see out there. There were no machines to make that 20 years ago. Oh, and really? Now, no, no, not at all. And those, those yarns that are tubes with fiber blown into the center. They they had no machines to make that either. So there's been these huge revolutions in technology that have taken place that, you know, mean we have better and different tools and better and different yarns, you yeah. know. And yarns are made from things that they weren't made from before. Like you can buy yarn that's bamboo or you can buy yarn from milk fiber or nettles or there's possum yarn, you know. There's, there's yarns that have fibers that just didn't exist. Right. Or weren't being used in yarn. So it's like been an amazing time, you know, for us to have lived through, you know, this whole like big revolution, you know. I mean, look at your um, business model, you know, with your podcasts and all that you do. That would not have been able to have happened 20 years ago. Absolutely true. That's absolutely true. You know, that I think that is the best answer I've ever gotten from from anybody that asked that question, like that was the best answer, because you literally went all over the board and gave specific examples of how it has changed so much, you know. And you know, the internet, yes, it has changed us incredibly by being able to have us connect around the world. Um, and it's always still shocking to me when I find, you know, some of my husband's friends who will ask me, "Oh, you can you can make a living being a knitter," or "Oh." knitting is, is dying. There aren't that many knitters in the world. And I'm like, where do you, where do you live? <laughs> exactly. <everywhere. laughs> You're not hanging out in the right places. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, you are not paying attention because there's a lot of really great knitters in the world. And they're just some yeah. of the most generally kind and, and generous people. Um, and crocheters also, I know that the Craft Yarn Council did a big um, survey or study and they, it was proven that crocheters and knitters are some of the most generous crafters in the industry with um, oh absolutely yeah and how do you not have a a kind heart and and be able to you know be charitable like that i just feel like we're just surrounded by some of the greatest people and then some of the most awesome fiber around it's amazing it's absolutely amazing now what absolutely. about yeah different styles that you've seen come and go like so you were obviously around during the big um novelty phase which is when i jumped in Honestly, uh-huh, yeah. right around that time frame, because I, I mean, to this day, eyelash eyelash yarn still has some sort of a fix on me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, mean, I like sparkle and flashy kind of stuff. But um, you, so you've seen that, you've seen thin yarn, mm-hmm. you've seen the thick yarn, you've seen, as you said, the hand dyed yarn. You know what? When you combine that with the different styles that you put in the magazine, what are some of the changes you see there? Um. Yeah, good question. Very good question. Uh, let's start with the um, the furry yarns, you know. I remember the first time I bought a furry yarn, and it was a hand paint, 
and I paid $20 for a skein that made one scarf. And that was a long time ago, and that was a lot of money, you know? And then all of a sudden, all those fur yarns were in Walmart and Joann's and Michael's, and then they were on the table for a dollar a ball, you know? So that was like a a major change, you know? Um, But, yeah, until that revolution of, of the furry kind of yarns, they were very expensive, yeah. You know, they were considered very high end, and then I guess, yeah, there was a, someone found a way to make them much more inexpensively, and they sort of hit the market. You know, um, right. so there's that, and then, you know, like mohair is a particularly good example of a change in those years. Like back twenty twenty five years ago, thirty years ago, you wouldn't knit with mohair and put it next to your skin. Really? You know, but. No, it was so scratchy and itchy and, you know. But there's been so much work done in the processing of mohair, and especially now a lot of yarn companies combine it with silk. And you uh-huh. can wear that next to your skin, and it's beautiful. Yeah. You know? I love the smell of mohair. I think it's beautiful. Oh, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And so really that's sort of changed in that sort of way with yarn. But then styles have changed. You know, like 25 years ago, no one wore a poncho. Ponchos were considered, oh, it's so 70s and hippie. And then all of a sudden, you know, in the late, um, I want to say late 90s, all of a sudden, ponchos started appearing on runways. Well, that's and then knitters totally got into it. Yeah? Sorry? That's because Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart came out. <laughs> she got a rock the poncho. That was that's all she wrote. <laughs> I know, right? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but you're yeah, it's funny. Right. Ponchos were were looked at as being, you know, frumpy, and then they were everywhere. They were totally cool all of a sudden, you know. It's really funny. <laughs> and then someone actually gave me they some yarn company made copies of the Martha um, poncho, and someone gave me one. And we recently moved offices, and I pulled it out, and I actually gave it away to one of my staff. <laughs> But that, that poncho is still hanging around. <laughs> it's very you know, I funny. Bet, I, I know that Lion Brand made a copy, and I, I'm sure they're still selling that homespun yarn making that poncho because people just get all, oh, all about sure. it. It's pretty crazy. Yep. Now, how have you handled the hand-dyed craze? Because, as you know, I, I feel like you have to knit with hand-dyed. I don't want to say, you know, be special with it. Maybe knitting is not the right word. Design with hand-dyed yarn. Um and you have to be careful, you know, about the pooling or, or how you use it specifically. Right. I, that's my opinion. So how have you handled that when it comes to the magazine with all the different the hand-dyed craze? Um, you know, we've covered it here and there over the years, and we use them here and there. But I tend to use less of them than I probably should. And the reason okay. is because they don't make a great photo in a lot of cases. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? You know, you yeah. understand what I'm saying by that, right? And yeah, for totally. A, yeah, and for a magazine, the photo is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use them sort of sparingly, and I find the ones that look best when we photograph them are those that are sort of more tonal rather than extreme in their color changes. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, that's what we sort of are more likely to use, something sort of more subtle and toned and... And also, too, because we, part of our ethos is the fashion world. And uh-huh. ha- hand paints don't show up in the fashion world that much, you know? Right. So, um, so we don't use them a huge, huge, huge amount, but I recognize how important they are and love them, and I have favorites as well that I 
collect um, and stash at home, you know. And yeah. I love them, but um, they just, they often don't shoot as well as you would like, you know. Oh, absolutely. But, I completely agree. I yeah. completely agree. What do you think yeah. about the shawl craze? Because it's, it's fascinating to me because when I started knitting and crocheting shawls, people made shawls sparingly. Like it was kind of like this weird thing. Then all of a sudden it became the thing. And even to this day, that's, I mean, people love making shawls because, you know, you don't have to really worry about size. And it is a great opportunity to use those hand-painted or yarns or various types of yarns. Exactly. So yeah. How do you feel about that that whole shift of, of the the shawl craze well um to me you know i would i rarely wear a shawl you know i have some that have been in the magazine and i wear them to events you know because it's a nice way to show off knitting you know but in my personal life i probably wouldn't wear one you know so to me it's a little bit of a foreign thing but not that you know i'm not thinking or trying to say that my fashion style is anything like you know all I wear is black you know I live in New York but uh, but I think shawls are an incredible showcase of you know your talent and your ability to um to knit beautiful things you know it's it's a really lovely way to show off your work and like you say there's no fitting anyone can wear one and it doesn't matter if you're short or tall or skinny or not you know everyone can look great in a shawl and I think that's cool but what I find fascinating is um, when I watch runway shows, and I pretty much watch every, or not watch them, but go through the slides of pretty much every show that happens every fashion week, and, you know, to pull all the knits out and see, you know, what's happening. But it's interesting, the last two seasons, I've seen more and more shawls on the runway. Yeah, like knit shawls. And they're not knit in, it's not like the hand paint knit, and it's not like the stripes and the wingspans and all of those kind of shawls, but they're shawls nonetheless, and then yeah. they're knitted. And I think That's it's awesome. interesting because I think sometimes we influence the fashion world. You know, it's like a backward. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. It happens every now and again, yeah. That's awesome. so kind of cool. You know, I think yeah. some of them are absolutely beautiful. You know, absolutely beautiful. And you can do techniques on a shawl that you can't really do that won't work in a bigger garment or won't work in a hat, you know, or right. don't look right on a scarf, you know. Right. So well, I, think it's, I think it's cool. Yeah, I think they're good practicing tools, too, to learn different techniques, you know, without, you know, you're not making a huge commitment like a garment as far as money and time, usually, but you can yeah. try out slip stitches if you don't want to do that on a garment, but whatever it is, but I think it's, it's fun. I love it. I love being able to sit and chat with you. I wish I got a chance to hang out with you more when we're at events, but obviously we're like super busy all the time, but that's okay. Eventually I know. we will be. I know, we will. <laughs> well, uh, it's the time of the show that we give away a prize, and I know that you have a prize that we're going to give away today to a comment winner, and we um, are going to offer a three-class pass for free to the Seattle Vogue Knitting Live. So this is how it works, everybody. If you're listening to the the podcast today for the first time, welcome. We are glad you're here. We are blessed enough that we have guests that come on the show that offer prizes. And today's prize is purely going to be for those of you who leave a comment on the show notes. Now, the show notes will be available at marleybird.com. If you go to marleybird.com, click the drop-down menu for podcasts and click on show notes, and you'll find the show notes for today's podcast. 
It will have a brief synopsis of everything we spoke about, including some pictures and some links and all that good stuff. Within those show notes, you'll see uh, an area where it says leave a reply. You'll click that leave a reply button, and you will literally leave a comment that includes a keyword that Trisha will give us here in a couple minutes. Once you've done that, that is your entry ticket. That's all you have to do. You can, you know, click enter and just leave it. Um, we will choose a winner from all of those comments on the show notes in about two to three weeks. And then when we select that winner, that winner will win the three-day pass to the Seattle Vogue Baby Live. So if you are in the Seattle area or you have been contemplating going to the Vogue Baby Live in Seattle, this is the perfect opportunity for you to have a chance to win the prize, right? It's pretty cool. Um, we always give the podcast listeners two to three weeks after the original air date of the podcast to choose or, or to leave a comment because we know that life gets in the way and sometimes you can't listen to the show right away. So we want to make sure you have a chance to listen to each one of the shows. Okay, guys? So I am going to come over here. I'm going to bring Tammy on the line. And Tammy is going to select a winner from a previous podcast, and then she will get the keyword from Trisha. So let me get Tammy. Tammy, is that you? That's me. Hi, Hello, Tammy. ladies. Hi, Tammy. Thank you, Trisha. I've never heard your voice before. I didn't know you were Australian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can't lose that accent. (laughs) How beautiful to have something different and unique from the rest of us. Um, So the the last, the winner that I'm pulling is from the episode where we had, we talked about the Pittsburgh Crochet Festival. That just feels like it fits in perfectly here. Um, that Marley was teaching at um, recently, and I pulled, um, I used a random number generator, and I uh, pulled a comment, and it looks like it's the only one that didn't say, I want to take a class with Marley, which is also very unique. Lauren said, I would like to take the, the class two and with socks and one with Shelly Schaefer. I love to knit socks, and that sounds like a fascinating technique to try. So um, the, the uh, it was kind of an essay question. People on that one, we're supposed to write what classes they would like to take at the event. Do, is there a lot of sock classes happening at Vogue Knitting? Do they fill up? Oh, yeah, definitely. Good. We'll probably offer over 100 classes when we first uh, go oh, live. Oh, I'm sure, because everybody will want in one of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they will, yeah. Have you given some thought as to what kind of code or phrase that people should use in their comments? Yeah, just Vogue Knitting. That's perfect. That's yeah. perfect. Thank you for doing that, Tricia. I'm so glad you were able to um, come and visit with us at the last minute. We also want to mention the destination experiences. I'm on the website. There, there's one coming up um, at the end of April with um, Mary Jane Mucklestone, and then the next weekend is Imperial Sock Ranch with Laura Lee Beltman. That one sounds. That one sounds. It makes me feel very, very excited. Yeah, we've got some really great ones coming later on in the year, too. We're going to be going um, to um, the Napa Valley in California and doing a wine tasting, cheese tasting, (laughs) and knitting event with um, Debbie Maycomber and Nikki Epstein. Oh, oh my gosh. Nikki in Napa Valley and you? Oh, my gosh. I know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That would be so much fun. Tammy, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. We'll talk to you ladies soon. All right. Great. Thank you. (laughs) 
So there you go, everybody. All you want to do is make sure you leave your comment on the show notes, which, again, are available at MarleyBird.com. We love your comments on Blog Talk Radio and Facebook and Twitter and Ravelry, but if you want to be entered for a chance to win, you must leave your comments on those show notes. And the keyword is Vogue Knitting Live, guys, or Vogue Knitting. Uh, Make sure you use that, and you will have a chance to win. Trisha, I just love having you on the podcast, and I love, I, I really do, and this is just not just blowing smoke up your ear. <laughs> like, I really do take <laughs> up with you. It's a lot of fun. So uh, It's we a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. do that more often. Yes, you have a great day there in New York, and I know it's your lunch hour, so hopefully you'll be able to still go get some food. Oh, well, yes, absolutely. Right. Thank you so much. This is really Thank fun, Molly. Great. All right. Absolutely adore her, everybody. That is Trisha Malcolm, uh, Editor-in-Chief of Vogue Knitting, uh, and she is also heads up the Vogue Knitting Live events. She is absolutely amazing, such a wonderful person. And as you know, as I mentioned earlier, if you have been listening to the podcast, even for the last two months, you have heard her name repeatedly, whether it was with Josh Nituation, you guys remember that, Josh Bennett? Nikki Epstein, uh, Shannon Dumbabbit from Cascade Yarns. Um, I mean, literally, it seems like she has her finger in, in, in a little bit of everything in people's careers, and it's amazing. And it's nice that there are people in the industry that really help encourage and lift up and really bring up the, the next generation of knitters and, you know, crocheters, too, because she does do the crochet supplement. And she's just she's just a good person, guys. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, hopefully, you guys will go run out, grab the Vogue Knitting uh, magazines, whether they're online or at your store, um, local yarn store or at Barnes and Noble, whatever it may be, go and pick up Vogue Knitting and then attend the Vogue Knitting Lives, you guys. They are really so much fun. They are a lot of fun to go to. Um, rub shoulders with the Nidorati. Remember, we talked about the Nidorati blanket that um, Cascade is doing. They were doing that in um, association with Vogue Knitting. Uh, it's just a good stuff, good stuff. So let's hit our happy vibes music here. Thank you guys so much for joining me on today's podcast. This is Friday, Junior, <laughs> so it's Thursday. We have a guest on Tuesday, so make sure you come back here. You can join us live on Facebook Live or just listen to the podcast whenever it is convenient for you. You can download it from your favorite podcatcher or iTunes. This is the Yarn Thing Podcast. Thank you again to Trisha Malcolm for joining us today on the podcast. You are just a true treat and a delight to have on the show. And to our sponsors, thank you to Buffalo Wool Company, Creative Book, Aaron Lane Max, Craftsy.com, Stitches Not Events, and Red Heart Yarn for the Brown National Sports Person. I'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye.